Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from April 4th, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. It does feel weird that I'm back now because I've been out. It's good to have you back. Yeah, you seem very enthusiastic about that. I feel like I just had to lead you with that line. Do you though? Yeah, I feel like I just said, yeah, it's uh, I've I've been back. Like it's good to be back. And you're like, pause, pause. It's you're like gathering your thoughts. It is good to have you back. Wait, let's start over. No, you, Jay. It is so great to have you back. It's too late. Were you <laughs> were you lonely in the office this past? I mean, it's been. Pretty... It has been a little bit odd. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Very quiet. I think it's funny, not funny, haha. But so if people don't realize, like I, I did, I did get the COVIDs, and um, it has been a strange. It was definitely a strange experience. Uh, thankfully, I didn't have any of the really scary symptoms or whatever. But I did have to be isolated in my bedroom for several days, and that was no fun. I would think that would be horrible, especially for me because I, I am a hyper extrovert, and. Uh, so to be isolated, I went, I started to go a little crazy. I definitely Did, started to. You didn't like repaint the walls or reorganize no, the room. Or... I thought about it. I did a little bit. I started to do a little <laughs> bit of that, but I had like no energy. Yeah. So I'd kind of get up and be like, I'm going to do this. And then I'd be up for like 20 seconds. Like, no, I'm not. And then I'd have to lay back down and um, I was weird. And then I did lose my taste, which is very disorienting. Um, mm-hmm you think like it's so weird to put something in your mouth and think like, Oh, this is supposed to taste like this. And then be like, Nope, there's nothing. And, and your brain almost plays tricks on you. Like where you think you can taste it, but it's more just the memory of what it's supposed to taste like. (laughs) It's so weird. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. It was so weird here too, because well, I did not lose my taste or smell, not that kind of weird, but I think when the word got out, Jay, that you had it, people stayed away from church too, I think <laughs> during the week, a little more than normal. Oh, did they? So yeah, I, I think, I think so. I, I mean, I don't know. I, it just was, it was much quieter around here than it has been, I think since I started a year ago. So, so you're saying that it's much quieter because I wasn't here or you think because everything else was quieter? Yes. Both. Okay. Yes. I think both Are you things. saying that I contribute to noise, the noise level at church? <laughs> at That's a great is that rhetorical? I mean, I just, I don't know. No, I, I think, uh, no, it's an honest question. Do I contribute to the noise? Uh, yes. Do you, Trey, we, as the French would say. Do they say that? That's very yes, yes? Jay. Yeah, well, they I, don't say that. I say that. But. I was going to say, I have. I <laughs> used to speak French a little bit, and I do not remember ever using that phrase. No, um, but it's two words that I have from my French class days. Yeah. We used to say, we oui, bonjour. Which oh. is also not a phrase that yes, friends no. say, but we it's it got into our vernacular, and so. Um, well, it is good to have you back, though. Oh yeah, so yes, it's good to have you back. So we should probably talk about something other than me, the weirdness of me being gone and out of the office. So right, let's do it. So Easter was last Sunday, and yeah, can you believe that? To me, no, I can't actually. It feels like that was a long time ago. I'm not sure exactly why, other than just the time warp of the days that we are in. Yeah. But it has been a beautiful week, thankfully. But, you know, one of the things that really struck me, Jay, like where you started the sermon, so I want to just jump right into that. Clearly and obviously you started with the resurrection, given that it was Easter. 
what you said about the resurrection was that it's the linchpin of our faith. But then you also said it's the linchpin of everything, of all of history is the phrase you used and highlighted how our faith apart from the resurrection is completely vain. Like if Jesus, if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, then what we're doing is a total waste of time. Mm -hmm. And you highlighted how that for you in, in times past has been a really important anchor in times of whether it's doubt or just trial. And I wanted to echo from my own life and from the lives of many students over the years, the same thing has happened. Like there have been seasons for me where for whatever reason, you know, you get haunted by a question or something and coming back again and again and again to the life, the death, and then the resurrection of Christ as the anchor of all things has been what has kept me in the faith. I mean, it really has. I had, some of you have heard that testimony. I think I shared it at uh, last year's Men of Faith conference, but crisis is a faith where I came to the, to really the end of myself and even not even wanting necessarily to be a Christian anymore, but being so convinced that Jesus really did die and he really did rise that I have to follow him. I, I want to, because it's the reality. It's true. And uh, so I, I'm really glad you started there. And I, I think there's no more important thing really for us to highlight. It's why we worship every Sunday. Right. You think about that, how world changing, what would have to happen for us all to start worshiping on Monday? Not just all here, but like everywhere in the world. Right. It's amazing. That's why we do that. And I think, yeah, for me, it was just, it was such everything hinged on that because they, like, look, you can't, you can't read through the old Testament carefully and not have moments of going, wait, what? And how do I trust this God that, how do I understand why these things happen in the world? And how do I understand his sovereignty and his, his control and his sovereignty over all things, even over things that are, um, that are painful and, and with evil being as prevalent on, on the earth as as it is. And, um, there's just so much that you just, that is so difficult. And every time it's interesting, you said that of going down kind of those rabbit trails of a question that just haunts you of like, well, what about this? Well, what about this? And that's why it's been so helpful and freeing to focus on the resurrection because, because it's true. Like I can't, I can't assume that, that I should be able to understand the mind of God. Like we definitely get into trouble as human beings when we say, well, the only way I'd be convinced of Christianity is if I can fully make sense of everything that the creator of the universe has done and said and been for all eternity. That's a pretty low bar of what, you know, that, that would be a pretty limited God that could fit into my mind and reason and rationale. But it's almost like it's his kindness to say, but the resurrection, like I know that if a human being is murdered, like dead, dead and buried and he's made all these claims and then he walks out of that grave. Well, now all of a sudden I feel like you probably, you probably know more than me. 
you probably your your interpretation and view of the world and the things that you have claimed probably carry more weight than my feeble reason. So it's it's just this victory in so many ways. It's not just victory over sin and death, but it's victory over um, doubts. It is this thing that we can hang on to. <clears throat> Similarly, um, God has always done that. That's what he used to encourage the Israelites. When they would doubt and question, he would say, remember. So remember when I brought you out of Egypt, or remember when I delivered you here. Remember, So they would remember what God had done to to battle the doubts that they had in the moment. That's always been the the pattern. And so that is what the resurrection is. The resurrection is just the pinnacle of all of that. So. And it makes sense, right? Like if what we're, what we read in the Bible and what we're talking about is the infinite God of all things, that finite human beings would not be able to comprehend the infinite, right? Like we just can't. And so no. those questions, if you're listening and you're thinking, yeah, I have those questions, that is totally normal. Yeah. And that's what we would expect if what we're talking about is true. It's, it is, it's beyond human comprehension. So much of what we read in the scriptures, we have to trust. And we trust that our trust is anchored then to these events, like you were describing, Jay, like the resurrection. You know, when we, when we can't understand why is God doing things this way? Well, we don't always know, but we can trust that what was claimed about Jesus is true. And that's what, I mean, really, as we read through the New Testament as a church, to me, that's what keeps coming out is yeah. these early followers of Jesus saw it as their call to be witnesses of that, what happened in history and, and these truths. And I would I would recommend, too, uh, a reading. This is a great week to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, right? It's yeah. This lays a lot of this out in detail of what, Paul says he received from others and and talks about the resurrection and in particular then about how Jesus's resurrection, what the implications are then for us, those yeah. of us who follow him. And I, I love to just kind of step into some of that. Jay, yeah. you, you talked about these two big questions, right? The first one is like this, who am I question mm-hmm. of identity? And then the second one is, why am I here? This question of purpose. And you highlighted how the resurrection informs and actually gives us the, our answer to those questions as followers of Jesus. You didn't use this phrase, but it kind of made me think of life being this cruciform shaped that all of life for us mm. involves a dying with Christ and a, and a raising with Christ. Like we die with him and we rise with him. And it's interesting because in one sense, we already have died with him, right? Mm-hmm. Like Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Right. It's no longer I who live. But then there's also a sense in which we continue to die with mm-hmm. him, like that we have a daily taking up of our cross and denying ourselves. But that's only part of it, right? Because then there's this life part, this resurrection part. So let's talk a little bit about those questions a little bit and what that looks like to have really a, a life that is shaped by death and resurrection, not just in the past or the future, but ongoing. Right. Yeah, and I think this is something that, that we often, at least, I mean, I guess I can just speak for myself that I've, I've missed facets of this in my entire Christian life. Um, this idea of participating in the death of Christ. I think I used to, I used to just shrink that down to, well, that I'm just dying to sin, but Paul doesn't say I've experienced the loss of all sin. 
He doesn't say, I've just given up all of my sin or all of my bad habits or all of my destructive ways. He says that I've experienced the loss of all things, that that he counts all things rubbish. And, and then when you connect that to when Jesus says those really hard things, if you do not hate your, your mother and your brother and your sister, like that, then you cannot be my disciple. If you, if you, you know, if you don't give up everything, you cannot be my disciple. Um, those, that is all speaking to this idea of like my whole being, everything about me, everything about who I am and about what I pursue and what I value. If I want to receive the power of the resurrection and I want to receive the, the gift of the resurrection of those things, then I first have to experience the death of all those things. And we just live in a culture where we, where we want the resurrection. We want Sunday morning, but we don't want good Friday. Like we don't, we don't want to experience the loss to, in order to gain things. And that was what I was trying to say. And you mentioned the phrase of we, we want the kingdom without the King. Mm-hmm. And I would say like, we want the resurrection without the death and it doesn't work that way. And by definition for something to be resurrected means that it has died. And so I think that's a very big theological view, but what I was trying to do, which I, I think, I, I think I, I bit off more than I could chew in that. But what I was trying to do to, to really simplify it down is to just say that, that there is this incredible gift that is offered in the resurrection and, 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 it answers every question. It's the linchpin of all of these things. It answers every question, including the biggest ones that we ask. And those are the ones like, who am I and why am I here? And it gives us a better identity than we could ever create for ourselves. And it gives us a, a better purpose and a more lasting purpose than we could ever come up with for ourselves. But the point was that in order to experience that, in order to gain that, you have to experience, you have to participate in the death of Christ and experience the loss of those things. And when you try to keep all the things that you have, so just take identity. When you try to keep that, your identity that you formed for yourself, and also gain the identity that is given to you in the resurrection, it doesn't work. And that's what Jesus is saying is you can't have both of those things. You have to die to this thing over here before you can gain the resurrected identity over here. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Rather than just tacking on a resurrection identity and a resurrection life to just an ordinary human life, that won't work. Right. Like we can't have whatever the identity is. I mean, we all have like, it's not just one, right? It's usually we identify ourselves in a lot of different ways, but we, we don't just add it on. It actually has to be t- torn down and die the old ways. And then the new ways are added. It's, it's well, and they resurrected as these new ways. Like, yes. so, so let's take, you know, cause it can be hard. And I pointed this out in the sermon that, that it's easy in a persecuted nation to think about what that could look like. Like if you're in a country where to profess Christ means that you will literally lose your job. You could lose your freedom. You might lose your life. You could lose your family. 
you could lose all of the everything that you knew yourself to be could be gone and it's easy like it makes more sense in those those contexts but it's no less true in our context it's just it's harder sometimes to see like it's easier in our cultural context to um have the illusion of having both of those things of having mm-hmm. my worldly identity um you know, because I'm not, if you could profess your, your faith and you're unlikely to lose your job. Now there may be some circumstances, like you could be a professor at a a particular university that, um, you know, maybe like in, you, you could be in the science department and then you profess Christ and you believe in intelligent design and creationism and you may lose your job. That it's not to say that those things don't happen in areas of our culture, but it's rare. It's, it's not the norm. But what that does free us up to is to understand it in in other ways. So um, one example would be like just personality. So if you're just thinking like, well, what does this look like? Well, when you think about identity, we all have an identity like in our personality. So, you know, Jeff, you're known as the angry fly off the handle guy. (laughs) (laughs) That was a joke. That was sarcasm. But, um, but like you, or, or I'm known, like as you pointed out already, that I'm I'm loud and I create I create noise. I think and you havoc. pointed that out. <laughs> well, <laughs> you you mentioned how quiet it was when I wasn't here. So, um, uh, and so you take that and say like, okay, so I am known to be a kind of a fiery personality, kind of a uh, like what would you how would you describe that, Jeff? Well, it's. God, I mean, you're, you're kind of wrestling with two truths here. Like there's a truth that God made us who we are. Right. Right. But then there's another truth that we aren't currently who we will be and who we're like our, our personality even requires redemption. Right. So actually, you know what? We, we talked about this earlier. Sorry to cut you off, but I'm just thinking like, let's use the example that we talked about earlier, like rather than throwing you or me under the bus here with this, um, let's take Paul. So the apostle Paul, he, he was zealous. Like before his interaction with Jesus, he had zeal and he was created as with, with zeal, his personality, he was wired in that way. And what we often have is people saying, I mean, how often have, have you said or heard somebody say, well, it's not my fault. I was just made that way. It's just the way I am. Well, Paul was a zealot. And not just in a classification way, but in a personality way. But for him to come face to face with Christ, he had to put that zeal to death in order for it to be resurrected as Christ-like zeal. It's resurrected then in Christ. So it's still zeal. It's the zeal that God created in him, but it is no longer what it's no longer the his own worldly version of that perverted by sin it has been put to death and been and has risen in Christ and so now rather than his zeal looking like persecution and murder and status it now looks like compassion and passion for the gospel and the spread of the gospel and laying down his life yeah, and it, it doesn't focus on him. Right. Like it doesn't focus right. on Paul. Right. It focuses outward on Christ. Right. 
to me that that's a yes, huge that's part good. of it at least in my experience of my own issues uh the stuff yes. i'm working on myself is that sometimes it's not even like the action the outward action looks different uh, it probably does but sometimes it doesn't especially with zeal but the focus of the action is not about making a name for yourself it's not about your own right identity your own thing it's about christ so his zealousness clearly paul's shifted to christ and to be able to say i'm willing to give up everything in fact i have <laughs> you know he gave up his life yeah uh for christ and yeah i i think the challenge is that this it's both extremely big and holistic but it's also very like subtle and and when, we, when we're talking about desire because that's an area for me like you know spending so much of my life on college campuses mm -hmm. trying to be an ambassador for jesus that i'm heady like i'm wired to be intellectual to function yes. in the world of ideas and so redeeming thinking has been an area that i i feel like i have done a lot of and have focused a lot of time on like dying to even the way you think about the world and then raising again rising up again and a new way of thinking but the, the last season of my life more recently I've, I've been focusing on the redemption of desire not just thinking it's not just ideas right. that need to change it's actually even our desires and what are the things that we love what are the things that we don't want you know well and that's that's where yeah putting those to death and realizing that okay Jesus redeems those desires so it's easy for us to think of um well yeah I know I'm supposed to put my sin to death and that's true but but in sin is it's just it's perverted desires and fears misplaced fears and perverted desires and and so we need to experience the redemption of those things which happens through death and resurrection. And so, um, you know, when we think about, like, desires and, and why, why I exist and what my purpose is, um, all of those things, even the good things, we are called to experience the loss of them so that we may gain Christ and the renewed identity and desire and passion in that. I Another example I was thinking about was, and I used this a little bit, I, I just don't know how well I articulated it on Sunday, but thinking about being a dad and saying like, well, obviously the Bible calls me to be a loving father. So you wouldn't ever say like, well, okay, I have to experience the loss of all things, so I'm going to stop being a dad. But, but it does mean that I'm experiencing the loss of my my worldly desire and the, the perverted desire of being a father and, and experiencing the loss of that and letting that die so that it can be resurrected in Christ. And so if I don't do that, like if my identity is wrapped up in being a father, well, that's when I can start to place burdens on my children, that their success is my success. Their failure is my failure. Um, that there that our relationship carries this weight and this burden um of of carrying my whole identity and what we typically find in situations where that happens is dysfunctional relationship it's broken because you have children who are being crushed under the weight of their parents expectations you have um children who are crushed under the weight of carrying their their parents identity and that if they fail that it it 
that the the parent you know is then is seen as a failure or feels like a failure that ends up often breaking relationship as they get older as you see parents um, who become grandparents and can't let go of their children they can't like send them out to kind of start their own family um, because their identity is completely wrapped up in being a parent Hmm. but to experience the loss of that is to die to that is to to die to that identity let it be put to death and then it's resurrected in christ and now as it's resurrected in christ it's actually redeemed into what it was supposed to be because now if my identity is not in the success or the failure of my kid but rather in the good pleasure of my lord and and i and i love my kid and i parent my child not to accomplish some goal in their life to like assure, you know, fix them or make sure that they're a success or whatever, but rather as a way of honoring and glorifying Christ. And then I parent more in a Christ-like way, but also my desires for them are more Christ-like. Well, then my, my identity is not wrapped up in their successes or failures, which then means I'm free to love them regardless of their success or failure. I'm free to I, I'm free to let them go when they go. I'm free to um, let them, like I said, let them fail or whatever's going to happen. Um, I'm free to actually love them in a pure way. And so um, that's a redemption of that identity and of that desire. And I think what happens is we we think, well, no, I'm supposed to be like, I'm supposed to be a good parent. And so I'm going to keep trying to do that. But I don't realize that I'm actually doing that in a very worldly way while I'm trying to also experience it as a Christian. And so I'm not, I'm not actually experiencing the power of that resurrection. I'm not experiencing that freedom. I'm racked with worry and guilt and stress. And as I, as I see my kids, you know, make mistakes or do whatever. And I don't realize that the reason why I'm feeling all that is because it's my identity is still very much in the worldly sense in that and that it has to die and be resurrected. If I want to attain the power of the resurrection and parenting my kids, then I have to die to my worldly identity in being a parent. Yeah, it, you made me think like it's it's because in, in a subtle way, we in those moments are still trying to find life where there really isn't life for us. Like yes. we're trying to find life in a from a place that we are not meant to find life instead of in Christ where there is all sufficiency for every need we have where there is love where there is joy where there is actual resurrection life whenever we try to have both we're trying to have something that won't really give us life and then add on to it something that will you can't do that right you we we're basically saying i think in in a number of different ways jay seek life in christ be identified in his death and experience that in all of your life and then also experience his resurrection life in all of your life and really find it where it's meant to be found. And the only place that it can really be found is in him. So as soon as we start mixing yeah. that, that's when I think strange things happen in our hearts. People are hurt. We're hurt. And we're really not satisfied. Ultimately, we're not because it's this constant striving, this constant grasping for something that we can't ever find in the world. We can't. We are only meant to find it in him and receive it from him. Yeah, that's so good. And, and I think about, so the picture that's coming in my mind is just thinking about standing outside of the tomb and 
so many people and I have been frustrated in my life where I've wondered like, why am I not experiencing the power of the resurrection and not realizing it's because I refuse to experience the death, to participate with Christ in the death of this thing or this desire or this personality trait or this pursuit. And it, it just, the picture that comes to my mind is people sitting outside of the tomb and saying, well, I, I'm not experiencing that life and, and seeing people who have gone into the tomb and come back out and now they are hidden in Christ and people looking at it and saying, well, I try, like, I, I'm not experiencing that. Why can't I experience that? But they're unwilling to actually go into the tomb. They're un, mm. they're unwilling to put it to death because it is scary because you don't know what, like, you don't know what's on the other side of that. Um, and that we know that from a big picture point of view, right? Like we know intellectually and, and we believe by faith, what is it, what's it going to be like, but we don't know. None of us knows exactly what that's going to be like when we die, when we physically die on this earth. And if, if, I mean, imagine, imagine if you actually, if we chose, you know, when to walk through that door, like how much, how scary that is to to think like well okay but if i experience the death of this thing then i'll never have it the way that i had it before it's going to be something different and the promise of the gospel is that it's going to be better like our resurrected bodies are better than our current bodies our resurrected minds and then the, the, what we experience here on earth is that our resurrected minds and our resurrected desires are better than the ones that we put to death. And, and so it's only for those who say, I believe that. And so I'm going to put this death to this desire to death. I'm going to put this identity to death because I know that this resurrected is going to be better. Is that, or did did I just get confusing there? Well, no, I think it is. It's right. And it's why Paul could say he considers it rubbish, right? Because actually compared to what he now has, it's not, it's not what it was. It's, it's not worth it. Like he gave up things. He gave up all things and considers them rubbish in order that he may know Christ because in comparison, that's what they are. Oh my gosh. Jeff, you just like shed light on this. I don't think I've ever looked at it from that angle. So, okay. So this is where I'm just, I'm just going to say this and then everybody's doing going, they're going to go like, well, duh. Um, (laughs) fine. I will be, I will be the the class dummy so that you can, everyone can like rejoice in this glorious truth. But you're so right that when he says, I count all things lost, I've so often heard that as like, well, compared, because he says compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, that, that it's not, oh gosh. Okay. So that it's not that you hate like that, that it's not just that like, okay, if you don't hate your mother and your father, that we usually say like, well, it's compared to knowing Jesus, right? So you say like, well, it's because we love Jesus so much that by comparison, it looks like hate of, you know, your mother and father. It's Mm. not that you're actually supposed to hate your mother and father, Mm -hmm. but I don't, but what you just said there is feels like such a click and such an aha of what Paul's saying when he says, I experienced the loss of all things is that it would be like, okay, my love for my wife, when I experience the loss of that and the death of that, 
and then it's resurrected. My resurrected love for my wife is so much better than what my worldly love for her was. Mm-hmm. That it's like, that is actually garbage. My worldly love or my worldly identity, like when I experienced the loss of all things, like let's let's talk, like let's say um, finances, you know, in pursuit of finances and financial security. Like I could experience the loss, like I could have a desire for that, but experience the loss of that. And now that desire um, resurrected is is so much better that now that old desire is rubbish. Like that's, what's Mm -hmm. rubbish. That's the loss. That's the, it's, it's not saying like, ah, my parenting, my kids, that's all garbage now compared to knowing Jesus. It's saying the way my identity, my worldly pursuit of parenting my kids pre-resurrection was garbage. And now that I've put that to death and it's been resurrected in this, christ-like way where now it's i'm parenting for christ and this goes back to what you said about it becomes other it becomes christ focused so it's Mm -hmm. one of the ways that you know that the resurrected version of my character traits and my identities and my roles and my pursuits the resurrected version of that is all wrapped up in christ its end is christ its means is christ its its identity and its its likeness is in christ and so you know um and so when you compare that with what I had before the resurrection, before I put those things to death, then that really is garbage. It's it's like there's it's no rubbish. comparison. Right. That's what it's, we would say, right? It's there's no comparison. Yeah, it's like it's it would be of course it it it's it's not it's not like trading in um it's not like trading in a piece of cake that you don't like for a bowl of ice cream that you do like. It's it's like trading in a bad piece of cake for a really great piece of cake. Hmm. That's, that's a stupid analogy, but, but it's, it's this thing that is like, well, why there's no comparison. These aren't even apples and oranges. It's like it in a sense it is, but what it's saying is it's, it's this thing resurrected. It's that thing, but it's resurrected in Christ, which makes it infinitely better. It's it. And we have that picture of our bodies. Like we, we do understand that tangibly in our bodies, so when you talk about our resurrected bodies, nobody's going to long for their old body, right? Like we don't know exactly what all this looks like, but we know that our bodies will be resurrected and glorified. And so nobody's going to be sitting in heaven going, golly, you know what I really miss? Back pain. Yeah. <laughs> I really miss that. Wish I, I wish I could feel that again. No, we're going to say like, I count all that rubbish as loss. I experienced the loss of my broken earthly body to gain the resurrected body. And that's a tangible future way to understand that in every walk of life for us now. So you don't have to be afraid to give up a desire. Like if you found your desire in pursuing, for example, like um, financial success or success in your career and your identity has been wrapped up in that, you can you don't have to be afraid. It can be scary, but you don't have to be afraid to give that up and die to that because whatever, what Christ resurrects it as resurrected in Christ is going to be something so much better. And it could be that he ends up keeping you on this road of making money, but now it's Christ focused. Like there are people in the world who make a ton of money and support missions in just exorbitant ways. And that's great. 
but it's a resurrected desire that is completely Christ focused. Um, and the same way goes like with your marriage. Like if you want, if you want to have a resurrected marriage, then you first have to put to death the worldly identity and desires that you have in that marriage. Like you've got to give it up. You've got to let it go and let Christ like, let it be put to death so that it can be resurrected because you can't have that just goes full circle that you can't have both. Life will never be found in your marriage. Wholeness will never be found in right. your marriage. Only in Christ. Jay, I think it's a wrap. Yes. Yeah, I think we I, just came around and I, th- I think that's a really good place to, to land the plane. That's, do, do you, you think, do you know, right. Do you know that that's Lauren's phrase? That's always been Lauren's phrase with me. No, no. <laughs> like, especially early in my preaching life, she would be like, land the plane, land the plane. <laughs> she had and another say, pass. <laughs> she had to get right. Yeah. And then here we go. Like, like we think we're landing. And then here we go. Um, so you're, you're the, you are my air traffic control. And I, I think it's because I've been out of the office for so long. I've just have all this bottled up and I, um, plus like it was good for me to re-preach that sermon. I feel like that was the, the third try was the best. So well, it's been fun getting to talk about it again yeah. with you. It's so, well, yeah. And it's such a, like you said, it, this is the most important mm-hmm. thing. Like this is the, the, it is the linchpin in our faith. And so I hope that it has been helpful to all of you out there and, um, Jeff, thank you for for <laughs> for humoring me. I definitely feel like I out talked you like ninety to ten. I like, think this was like a ninety to ten ratio. We switched roles for once. It's good to do that. It's good to be the quieter one and to let you get to experience what it's like to talk and express nice. yourself. <laughs> Jeff, I'm picking up on sarcasm there. Yeah, that's why I'm laughing. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, uh, for taking the time to do that. And uh, look forward to next week. We give uh, send out these podcasts. We try to do it every week. I, we're pretty we're pretty solid in that. Um, but we hope that they will be helpful. Please feel free to email us with questions. We have gotten a few, and, and we are working on those kind of in the background and trying to figure out how to um, – I'm really excited for some other things we've talked about doing in the future of um, maybe – uh, calling in doing some interviews with other people that um, who can help answer some of these questions that have been sent in so uh, so please do that and we're excited of how we can develop this again this is all just to try to encourage you and help you along the way to figure out what does it look like to love and follow our Jesus in a day-to-day basis so until next time grace and peace to you all